I like uh, I like our titles so far. Uh, oh, I like got some good ones. Yeah, I like Clam A V Maybe because it just sounds funny. Yep, Clam yep. A V Maybe. Yeah. Um, pass awkward. I used to say I used to say Bass awkward a lot. Yep. And pass awkward. I it's, mean, it, come on. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> come on. And hipster passwords. Hipster passwords. It's the new wave, guys. You just have to get hip with it. You have to. You gotta. I don't know why you're not using 600 character passwords yet. That's your own fault. Yeah, indeed, indeed. I'm. You can memorize that, can't you? That's a, it's a personal failing, I'd say. Yeah, if you can't memorize that, what are you doing on the internet? You know. <sighs> <laughs> Speaking of the internet, I see you downloaded the whole thing. Apparently, apparent. I have been informed that there's a good chunk of Wikipedia in there's a, that. There's a lot in that thing. Image, <laughs> eighteen gigs, dude. Coming up in this episode, Plasma's kind of hot right now. Brush your passwords. Browser watch. A little feedback and a little focus. Hello and welcome to Linux User Space. I'm Dan. And I'm Leo. Hey, Leo. Um, I don't know if you got a chance or not to check out, you know, some of the recent KDE Academy videos and whatnot, so you could get a hint of, uh, you know, how the plasma sausage is made. They were good. They are. There, there's uh, specifically one. Uh, I think I mentioned it a couple episodes ago about the the what uh, what's this Wayland anyway? Yep. That video from Academy, um, and it does explain how. The relationship between KDE Plasma and Wayland and what's in the future. Right. But um, if you ask me to tell you what Wayland is, uh, I, got no- I got nothing other than, Dan, I- you're going to say it, aren't you? It's a protocol. It's a protocol. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> hey, you know what? You know what Wayland is? It's a protocol. That's, 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 that's what it is. Just a protocol. That explains it very well, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Um, I'll have a link to that in the show notes, but in addition to that, Plasma 527 got released. Before we dive into that, I just want to make a mention. Yeah. Uh, you do need to go watch these videos because they have, oh, get, get this, an Academy Awards. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> you, you're right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Academy Awards. There's an Academy Awards, man. It's it's bigger. It's bigger than the other Academy Awards you might be thinking of, <laughs> for sure. But um, it's bigger in our circle anyway. So that's all that matters. And um, I, I th- they're great people. <laughs> I, I I love I love the ball. Um, and what they produce and what they produced was five dot twenty seven glass. Ooh, and that's that's the worst one. No, no. No, it's the best I, one. It's the I last it one. Is. It's the last one in the five series. So yes. anything from here on out is going to be part of the Plasma 6. And that means that it's based on QT6 or Qt6, right? The next, yes. The next one will be QT6. I, I know neither of us dug into this, but I am just kind of curious. Did we get over all of the QT stuff? Where like, So the whole reason that we couldn't move to, to QT6 was because there were going to be 
features of QT6, at least early on, that were not going to be available to like folks like Plasma, who are on the open end of things, because QT is not fully open. There's, there's an enterprise. I could be wrong about the version numbers here, since you're putting me on the spot. On the spot. Um, I believe 6.1 is where the open, where, where it's available for open source. Okay. 6.0 was not. So we got past that right. hurdle, and I don't even know what version we're on off the top of my head here. But we can we can now uh, have it available for all the open source folks. Well, that's cool. That's great. That uh, so that would explain why the the move to five or to six can happen. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Well, that makes me happy. I'm 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 really kind of excited to see where six is going to take us. If it's going to be huge, kind of like uh, three to four was, uh, everybody hated it. Uh, and then four to five, uh, I think everybody hated it at the beginning. And then I think we all kind of, no, it's a good one. It's a good one. So I'm curious to see, is six like Windows and everybody's going to hate it? I hope not. I, I Well, <laughs> and, and I'll say they really put a lot of polish on this last version of uh, Plasma 5. They did. They tidied up a lot of things. I suppose that's because it's going to be around for a while. Yeah, that's the anticipation is it will be around for a while. It could be mm -hmm. up to a year, they say, maybe, before yeah. we see another release. And that's atypical. Usually things are rolling out pretty quick, six months or so. I, I But there's still some things that we all know that need work. And most notably, probably Wayland is, is the the thing that just everybody's cranking on. Even... Every desktop environment is is working on that because it's newish, and we're we're still trying to get the the polishing touches to that. Even XFCE, the notoriously slow desktop environment, yeah. has got a lot of work on Wayland already behind them. So, yep, yep. impressive. Impressive. L LXQ, they're they're right there too. They're doing a bunch of stuff. There's a couple of things, a couple of components that aren't quite Wayland native um, or have the ability yet. You know. They're all working on it. That's really cool. Uh, well, Cinnamon is only kind of working on it. It's not going to yeah, be anytime soon. Not, uh, yeah. And it certainly <laughs> won't be in uh, in the next version. Uh, no, it'll be a little bit out. No, I don't. But more on this plasma business, though. It's really great. I've I've been enjoying it. I've I've got it on the the Gecko in the Gecko rolling install on my mm. laptop. It's one of the one of the systems I have there, and so I did the upgrade. You know, just about as fast as they released it, and uh, it's it's pretty fantastic. It well, really I is. I saw somewhere on the web it took three hours, three hours from release to OpenSUSE tumbleweed. Uh, that's pretty quick. <laughs> that's insane speeds, man. That's really fast. It, so <laughs> it is. It is. That's cool. Um, they weren't they weren't kidding around at all with that one. I gotta say, if you're you're looking to try out the latest plasma, OpenSUSE Tumbleweed is kind of kind of pretty good spot to be. So what what do we get new? What's uh what's amazing about this 5.27? So one of the biggest uh features is the new tiling feature. Now this is early days. Mm. This is early days. I I I fully anticipate a lot more getting added to this. Um be patient is what I'm going to say because I think there's more coming for it. I, I know you're going to throw out Windows, Leo, because that's your, oh, I'm your, gonna. your favorite desktop environment, but um, <laughs> it's not quite that. It's not super discoverable, so mm. you might want to dig into it a little bit, but, um, you know, you can set it up like any any tiling 
window manager looks like. Um, not the same functionality because you don't have the, the shortcut keys or the hotkeys or whatever. But um, you can have the master stack layout kind of thing, and you can split those. You can customize the layout, although it doesn't remember that, if you will. You can put them together however you want to, uh, but if you go back to one of the like original default yeah, layouts, default layout, yeah, you got to do it all over again all over uh, if again. you want it to go back that way, and that's kind of annoying. But yeah, as Dan said, I, I'm pretty sure there's no way that would just be left to languish like that. Uh, I suppose there will be a save your layout button yep. uh, to add it to the defaults coming soon, but. Um, yeah, and it, it is hard to discover, and that was the thing that, yep. that kind of got me, and this is exactly why I'm going to throw out the Windows thing, because Windows' situation is also hard to discover, but, <laughs> discover, but <laughs> um, there will be a time, I guarantee it, where you hover over the maximize yeah. button for just a little too long, and then those the types of tiling will, will just kind of pop out from yep. there. Uh, in Windows 11, assuming you're on a newer version of Windows 11 where they added the, the, the yep. like cool extra tiling modes. Yes. I, I got to believe uh, Plasma is going to catch up oh, yeah. pretty quickly. No, no, I, I think uh, I think they will. I think they'll take those things and they'll they'll add on to it. Hey, we got to start somewhere, right? I mean, and yeah. this is a really good start. None of that stuff was, I mean, other than you could slide your window over to the left or up to the top or whatever to, to you know, get the quarter tiling and all of that jazz. Like, mm -hmm. um, other than those things, you didn't really have an option. Like, you could just do the the half tiling and that was what you had. Um, right, right, so, right. And that's still kind of how it is in Cinnamon, I think. Uh, yeah, just it's, get it's, the half it's tiling. that way in a lot of places. But um, this this is a much better setup, I feel. And, and like, you can adjust that, like, it's not just a half a page. If you wanted, you know, to to slide that one tile over a little bit so it was only like a third and the other one was two thirds, you can do that, which is kind of nice. Yeah, I I did. Um, uh, I saw. So you sent me a screenshot. We, we were talking yeah. kind of about the difference between uh, Windows and Plasma and how they handle that. Yeah, um, and it looks and similar. Quarter tiling is super easy. Half tiling is super easy. It looks like you have this like the middle window is larger and then two small two slivers sides. on yep, both left and right. Uh, and then there's uh, on the left hand, there's uh, two tiles top and bottom and then a big tile filling yep. up the rest of the screen on the right. So for three three total tiles. I, I think the defaults are pretty good. I think they cover a lot of use case. They do. Um, but um, yeah, I don't know. Those custom ones, those are the ones that are going to get you. Yeah. And like I said, like you can slide those little, you know, the rails uh, left and right or up and down mm -hmm. or whatever and, and adjust those a little bigger, a little smaller too, depending on what you're you're doing. So I don't know. That, and it, that, and it works pretty nice. well. I think that's nice. As you're adjusting the size of the windows or whatever, the, the oh, tiling yeah, back and forth, up and down, and the, that's yeah. actually quite slick, and that works it really is. well. Uh, the other things I'll I'll mention here: uh, improved Wayland support, obviously. Gotta we're, love we're, that. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. Um, and so that's that's a lot better. I, I think one of the one of the improvements to Wayland is that the fractional scaling isn't a hack anymore. Where yeah, this one's for you. It had to yeah, it had to like upscale <laughs> and then downscale to get yeah. it right. Um, this, this caused your CPU to work overtime to kind yeah. of render all of that and do all of that. So this is not only good for clarity, it is also good for, uh, your battery life. 
So yeah. that's really awesome. But I didn't I didn't look into it far enough because I have the situation now where I've got a framework laptop right. at, at a higher DPI screen and a 1080p screen next to it. Um, and I'm trying to find a Linux distro that works very well, or at least a Linux desktop that works very well with that. Uh, Wayland in Plasma does look promising, but I'm not sure yet. I'm playing around with um, elementary OS right now mm -hmm. uh, because I said I would months ago before just saying, you know, back to Mint. So, um, and and their Mint and elementary are both on X. So the, the solutions here aren't really uh, going to work out for me. I mean, X just flat doesn't do right. uh, mixed DPI. It so like not. I can't no. have... Um, you know, some kind of bigger text on one, smaller text on another, or different scaling on one and another. <laughs> yeah, it's just not going to do it. Um, but Mint has this uh, X-Render hack that's built in that'll kind of do it for you, but it's it's pretty much unusable. Anytime I put anything on the framework screen, it looks like screen tearing. It's not. Like rasterization or something? Yeah. Uh, like, like parts of the windows just blank out. Ugh. Like they're just, they're invisible. Like, okay. So it look, kind of looks like tearing, but it isn't. Yeah, I get you. Uh, but I, I ended up talking to uh, Cassidy James on the elementary subreddit, and uh, he gave me a couple of different ways to work around the issue. Still X-Render weirdness, um, but uh, it seems to be a better way to do it, which is essentially just do the uh, the, the scaling manually with the resolution, um, which I'm I'm in the process of trying. I haven't gotten that done yet. Uh, but I suppose probably by next episode or so, okay. uh, I should have something to report on that. But cool. um, anyway, so I'm hoping with these Wayland uh, improvements in Plasma that I can, uh, if, if Elementary doesn't work out and I don't, I'm not ready to go back to Mint yet, uh, I can try uh, Plasma again yeah. and on, on 5.27 and see. Well, it is going to be around, if, so. Yeah, exactly. So I've got time. I've got time to test it out, but uh, I'm, I'm looking at it for sure cool. for that reason. Yeah, one of the other things that really has gotten a ton of heat in the past. For, forever. Forever. Uh, I think since the beginning of time, maybe. Yesterday I, I, as well. <laughs> uh, Discover. No joke. Everybody hates on it. Loves to hate on it. Um, But it's really kind of good now. I, and yeah. I'm, not, I'm not kidding. I'm not just saying that. I, I think they've improved the look of it. Like, so the UI is like way better than it was. It's, it's not nearly as, is I'll say disorganized, if you will. You don't have to click quite so much to find your, your things. And it puts all the apps kind of in a nice, nice little set of smaller cards all on the same page. Yeah. Um, and, um, I think it's a, it's a, it's a good improvement. And I don't know. Maybe people won't hate on it as much. I don't know. No, no, that won't. They change. will. Uh, what What's funny is um, I've had issues. Uh, I, f I feel like on par, maybe not, but I've had issues with GNOME software. Oh yeah, GNOME software's got a huge bunch of heat problems too. Like I don't even know. Yep. Yeah. And, and I've had issues with uh, Elementary's App Center. Um, you know, the only the only software thingy that I've not had issues with really is like the. I guess it's because it's a separate piece is uh mint's software updater okay the thing opens it updates software and it closes and that's 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 all there is to it i don't use the software installer much on really on any distro well i'll so i'll say i'll, I'll continue on uh discover might be the best then yeah fight me 
Ooh. Anyway, um, no, seriously, search searching um, has improved a ton too. Like, so that's the main key of why you'd want to use one of these things is, is the discoverability of software, right? Yes. Discover is in the name. Um, but like finding the application that fits your needs best. And I think searching has improved a ton. So the main purpose behind the application has really improved. And right. I think having the, the back end tie in things that are, are really coming to their own as well. I know GNOME software kind of does a pretty good job of like tying in the flat pack stuff in the back end and the snap stuff, obviously. Now Discover is doing the same stuff, I think, pretty good, maybe even on par. And it's giving you the, it gives, like I know here in my Kubuntu install, it gives me notifications saying, hey, you got some updates you can go do. And if they're flat packs, it will update those as well. And that's that's pretty nice having all of that stuff in one place because um, it'll search out all of your flat hub repos or flat pack repos, you know, flat hub or whatever else you have. If you have other flat pack repos and it'll search out the snap, you know, store and whatever your package manager of choices, it'll search all of those things natively, which is nice. Now, now we're going to get the distro box uh, integration and then we'll be able to do that too. Yeah, maybe. Man, yeah, yeah. That, that'll be or, the day where where we just we we don't have distros anymore, right? Yeah, because then you could search the AUR, right? Like, <laughs> right. Any any distro, search the AUR. What else could you need? I, I don't know, but it's improved, and I hope people don't hate on it quite so much because it has improved. Try it again. Yeah. If you don't use, you know, that sort of thing, well, then yeah, I don't know what to tell you. It's not gonna it's not gonna magically Console make it better for you. Console works very well. It does. So <laughs> you can just install your software that way if uh, yeah. if that's your bag, man. If that's your thing, I, it's not gonna improve that. Sorry, but like if you're looking for something that uh, is along those lines, it's pretty good. Even better than that, we're gonna top that one. K Runner. Hmm. That might very well be the best application launcher but it's more than that it's it's i don't know i'll fight that, you on that one uh, yeah all right you're on buddy because <laughs> it's more than an application launcher it's it's a search tool it's uh it's a it's a you know oh my goodness calculator it, it does calculation but it does time zone calculations like yeah if, you, if i want to know what time it is in europe right now i just type it in there and it figures it out for me so so many times do I have to do a conversion to UTC? And I know sometimes it's six hours and sometimes it's five hours from where I'm at, but I never mm -hmm. know which it is. And uh, I always get the time wrong. And so I'm always like an hour early or an hour late to something. Yep. <laughs> so um, yeah, th this type of thing is just nice and fancy. And I don't have to go to a website to do it. That no. See, there was a push to move everything to the web. All yeah. these little applications out on the web and doing all this stuff, and then and then you have things like um, K Runner mm -hmm. pulling you back out because you know if you care about your privacy, the less websites you go to to steal your your data and your cookies and stuff, the better off you're going to be. And so what I'm trying to say is K Runner is a security solution, That's a good <laughs> as way well <laughs> as a search tool and everything else. Because if you can do what you need to do inside of a little um, uh, a run app on your desktop, yeah. then you're, you're already in good shape. You're going to the web less. less. I, I think that's a, it's a, yeah, that's a it, good thing. A security win, if you will. Absolutely. It searches your local system you know, type stuff first. And then if, if it doesn't find what it likes there, it'll go out and search you know, uh, other things. So it will give you web suggestions if that's the better choice. 
Yeah. Um, but it, it ranks it all. So as it, opposed to Windows, which will search Bing first of and course. then eventually decide to show you the applications that are installed. Yes. It'll it'll search the Windows store first and then maybe come back to something you have locally. And sometimes, yeah, the maybe is right. Sometimes it's like Audah what? I don't have an Audacita. I don't mm-hmm. know how to pronounce that. Mm-hmm. And then uh, and then you try to search again later on. It's like, oh, yeah, Audacity. I don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. You're like, what do you mean, dude? It was there the whole time. It was. Uh, local search, far superior. Anyway, K-Runner, great tool. Probably one of the best. It's certainly the best that comes integrated in any of the desktop environments. Um, and and that's that's without a doubt. Yeah, and so I said at the beginning of this uh, that that I would fight you on which one's better here because over the past couple of months I have fallen in love with Albert, and you know what Albert Albert will do? Time zone, and it'll do the cool fancy new K Runner clipboard fanciness that 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 is going on. Like if you do a search term in K Runner and and it gives you like here's the definition of that word, you can copy that directly to the yeah Albert can do that too, and it's really cool because as you're setting up Albert, you can decide. Yep. Like you are forced to decide, and I think this is the best way to do it. Uh, forced to decide whether or not you want web results within Albert. So if you search for something, it doesn't find anything locally. Will you allow it to go to the web? It is a it is a uh, a conscious choice that you had to make to turn on the pu- plugin that handles that uh, that, that nice. feature. Yeah, it is it is really nice. So I think what's going to have to happen is me and Dan are going to have to do a head to head. Albert versus K Runner. Okay. Who is the winner? Ah. Hmm. Show, showdown. Hmm. Ah, yeah, exactly. The runner showdown. Are we ready? Ah, there it is. That's going to be fun. So, another cool thing is the, you know, the widgets and tooltips saw some improvements. And I'm talking about some of those things down there in your panel. Um, so, if you hover over those things, they give you a little more descriptive information. And uh, like a lot of the, a lot of the time, you can do a middle click, like or the, and they would yes. give you another function sometimes. Mute your audio, mute your microphone. Um, yeah, yeah, that yeah. that that kind of thing. Right. So now the little tooltip tells you what happens on a middle click action, and um, I think that's pretty cool. Oh, it is. Oh, it absolutely is. I mean. I don't know. Tooltips are kind of half in, half out. Like, there's a lot of information. Most people ignore them. But if you pay attention, it's right. going to tell you, at least now in Plasma, it's going to tell you a whole lot more about what you're about to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, here you are clicking around. You're right clicking. You're left clicking. You're, you're clicking all over the place, double clicking. Yeah. You don't need to do all that. It tells you what it's going to do when exactly. you hover over it. And I think don't that's Don't accidentally that's mute your mic on the fly. <laughs> uh, re- read the little tooltip. It'll tell you it's what it's about to do. Exactly. So... Pretty good stuff. Uh, I like those a lot. And so I- I'm going to point you to a couple of links. Uh, one of them is to Nick at the uh, Linux Experiment. He did a much better job explaining all of the improvements than than I just did. So please go check that out. <laughs> um, and then uh, Linux Action News, they they talked about uh, the new Plasma as well. So I think uh, I think go check them out too. Lots of ways to learn about all the new hype that you should try yourself. Well, if you haven't ran over to YouTube and hit the subscribe button because you know you're watching me, us, together. Oh, wait. I still don't know. I, you know, I'll figure, out, I'll figure out the directions one of these days. Anyway, uh, you're, if you're watching us on YouTube or you're watching us on Tilvids, 
Uh, make sure you hit that subscribe before you go anywhere. Um, yeah, you know, make make sure you go do that. Uh, hit the little thumbs up. Hey, you know that thing too. That's pretty cool. And uh, of course, if you like these shows, you want them to continue, you want to support us, there's Patreon. So linuxuserspace.show slash Patreon slash Tilvids slash YouTube. Take your pick slash malware. It exists. Yeah, it does. Um, you, you can... Uh, you can go to any of those three, find us, uh, subscribe to us, um, throw us a dollar or whatever you think is fair. And um, yeah, we'll keep trucking out this content for you. Off the heels of the last pass breach by an employee, we learned some pretty damning things. Not all password vaults were encrypted the same. Mm-mm. Some were so weak. It took minutes to crack them, regardless of what your master password was. This flew in the face of LastPass assurance that a strong master password means you're safe. It didn't. And it doesn't in this particular case. To top it off, the secure notes weren't so secure after all, leading to anything written in them to be discoverable without much work. This also included files stored within the vault. You know, your driver's license, passports, I don't know, whatever, credit cards, whatever you had in there. I don't know. Yeah, stuff you thought was going to be secure. (sighs) So what's worse, the vaults themselves had even more unencrypted information. (laughs) A running log of who is logging in, where they're logging in from, when the last login occurred. Metadata? Who needs metadata? Oh, boy. This was um this was pretty egregious, man. Uh yeah. <laughs> uh it was essentially the cipher that they used to encrypt all the stuff was so bad uh that that you could just poke through it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, you, well, I mean you could just end around the password essentially is <sighs> what ended up happening. Yeah, I th- I think we tend to fall on the uh warden side of things. We, do. we use both bit and vault warden. Yeah, we talked about them. Uh, I think we talked about we some talked of the password stuff in episode 11. We talked about the, a little bit of the history of pass. But yeah, kind of turns out we're not done talking about these password things. No, we're going to take a few more minutes to talk about that. Yeah, good hygiene. Good hygiene. This is, uh, we got to brush our passwords. That's the deal. Um, and just, uh, just to kind of be full and complete, uh, the last pass breach happened in about uh, the end of November. At least that's when it was publicly disclosed. Right. Uh, turned out that it was an internal employee. Yeah. That was kind of trying to do this reverse end around back blackmail of LastPass to get some cash. Um, ended up getting caught. Uh, and then uh, obviously we learned a whole lot more about the breach in general. Um, and none of it was good. Yeah. And so it turned out that like long time customers, like really long, like originally yeah. long time customers of LastPass were the most at risk because um, they, they had... Uh, the the encryption they used, it wasn't CBC, it was the other one, it was the older one, um, but they used only one iteration of it instead of, uh, I think it was like 20,000 is the default now. Um, but I mean, you could crank that up to a million if you wanted to, and it just it just adds, when you're, when you're generating passwords or you're adding stuff to your vault, it just takes a few more seconds. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's all CPU based, so the faster your CPU is, the faster that happens, and our phones are so fast now right. that you wouldn't notice but a two second or so delay. Which is a dodge hundreds of thousands of more iterations to strengthen your password vault um 
but uh, but yeah, so if you never changed that piece of information from the very beginning, it was still one iteration of the lesser secure encryption, which is what was so easy to get to. But what was so egregious about it was that um, the, the secure note stuff were not secure, were not even encrypted. Uh, the the metadata that's what 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 Dan yeah. listed off yeah, the, yeah. who's logging in where they're logging in from that stuff is in clear text all you have to do is parse the actual vault itself and the information sitting out there unencrypted so it was not great no that's pretty bad as far as they go but as as uh as kind of we heard the last of that um Dan and I were talking maybe we should talk a little bit more about uh about some passwords <laughs> yeah no <laughs> I, I mean it's important. It doesn't matter what operating system you're running or what thing you're logging into. Having a good password is pretty key to keeping it secure. And, um, you know, that's, that's a, that's, that's just paramount. I don't, I don't know yeah. what else to say. I mean, you need, you need to do that. You need to keep track of your stuff and you need to, to, to keep it, um, you know, probably the best you can, um, with what you have to work with. Right. And I think uh, a lot of times um, we talk about two-factor, but one of those factors is a password. That's where you start. That's where it all starts. Right. <laughs> and sometimes, sometimes there are situations where you cannot have a second factor. So I think that's kind of what we're going to focus on. We're going to focus on good password hygiene yeah. in general. So where you have to have a password, wherever that may be. Your first round of defense. Right. So, so interestingly, uh, Mozilla published a blog post recently talking about this very thing, you know, password hygiene, right? And <laughs> they really called it out. They said, so many folks use baby names as, <laughs> as their password. And uh, that, that why? Just, like they, they, they did an analysis and it was like amazing that, that people are just naming, they're just using their, their kids' names as passwords. And, that's really not all that great. That's not u unique enough, I th I feel like. Yeah, well, the original recommendation was to, you know, make a memorable password, right? I mean, yeah. make it, you know, add a few characters, maybe throw an asterisk in there or whatever, but make it memorable. So what people ended up doing was, well, what's the most memorable thing that you've got? Well, I've got a kid. Yeah. I'll never forget about the kid. So I'm going nope. to put my password, the kid, and then add one to it. Like... <sighs> Call it a day, man. His name was Joshua, which is, by the way, the number one top spot in Mozilla's pitch here. <laughs> um, you know, Joshua one. What is that? J O S H U A one. Add another one. You got your eight characters right there, and you got nah. numbers, you got letters, and uh, you're you're probably pretty good. Heck, throw an exclamation point at the end of it. You got nine characters. A special one. Yep, and you've defeated pretty much most places password requirement and you've still done the big no-no of don't don't use names names yeah. are in the word lists the dictionaries that people they will are. use to just you know chew through and we're talking man we're talking millions of passwords yeah millions if not more per second if they've got the database that we have heard so many times so many times there was a there was a breach and the database of passwords has been lifted and now well, you'll find it on the dark web for about five bucks, right? Right. And then you can just run your software. Like Hashcat is insanely fast if you've got an NVIDIA GPU or, well, just any yeah. GPU, really. Uh, Hashcat will just rip through those databases so yeah. fast. 
that, um, I mean, that low-hanging fruit, Joshua 1, 1, exclamation point. Yeah, I'm sorry. You're, you're, you're done in the first hour. Yeah. <laughs> in the first hour. Yeah, yeah. You're one of a few thousand that, I know. Um, that now we know your password. So, yeah, bad, bad, bad. Don't use names. Yeah, yeah. Those, those, those rainbow tables, they come in handy for those, those crackers. Uh, oh, we. And so even, even the hipster names are, are, Probably verboten. They probably shouldn't use those either because like uh like Elon's kid, A E X one two I I think, you know, actually, you know, his baby his, name his... may be the only one. That... Uh, I, yeah, <laughs> all right. Use. That's pretty random. That's that's almost like you ran that through the random password generator and that's what the name you came out with, huh? You know what? I think we figured him out. That's how he named his kid right there. Yeah, try try to avoid that, right? At the end of this, I will pitch you an idea of how you can use it. Okay. Stay tuned. I'm I'm hoping you're going to string some things together, not <gasps> just stick You're giving to that. my secrets away. You're okay. giving my secrets away, Dan. I need to do that. <laughs> anyway, I, I, I recently, on the same topic, like not like a few days ago, I got an email from Linode Akamai about updates they're making to their user and, and root password requirements. So this is like when you set up your, your Linode, it lets you set a root password. So requirements that they're they're going to be introducing. So hello, as part of our commitment to providing safe and secure platform, Akamai regularly introduces security enhancements in order to better protect our platform and our customers. Standard boilerplate. It is. But they go on and they say the new minimum character link is 11. And here are some suggested ways of meeting the password strength score requirement. I got it. Joshua one three five two four six exclamation point. Done. Thanks, Akamai. I've got a secure password now, baby. Well, they're gonna stop me from that. I wonder if they would stop. They me probably from using wouldn't. This. That might be enough. But I <laughs> bet it, it. I bet it doesn't score great. Like if, no. if like some of those things, they do have the little score meters on them. You know, they'll go from like you know, red to yellow to green, um, depending on how complicated and strong your password is. And it's subjective, I guess, uh, as to some degree. But I think obviously you want to get more complicated and get on that green end of things rather than down on the red end of things. So, yeah. Um, well, slowly but surely, Linux has told me the password that I use uh, for my testing boxes. Slowly but surely, because it is a complex one and it is fairly long. Mm-hmm. Um, slowly but surely, it's gone from like green to yellow to now. Some it's distros are even are like, red. no, yeah. stop, stop using that. <laughs> so, so Linode says, you know, avoid using simple passwords based on dictionary words. So like Penguin123, don't do that. Because that's in there. Use a mixture of unpredictable upper and lowercase letters, numbers, and symbols. So, you know, maybe something random. If you can memorize something random, you actually probably have it made, really seriously. Yeah. Um, avoid repeats, like AAA, sequences, ABCD, and keyboard patterns, QWERTY, ASDF, stuff like that. Don't do that. Those are, those are the things to avoid. That's these are their recommendations, and they aren't bad. I think I think it's a good starting place. Obviously, length the the more length you have, uh, that really cuts down on the ability to crack that 
in a timely fashion. X um, adding one character exponentially yeah, increases that, that, the difficulty curve, <laughs> of brute forcing a password. One character exponentially. This is why uh, password managers suggest it like on the low end, they're suggesting like 16, mm -hmm. but you crank that all the way up to like 128 if you want to. If Every it'll grow, yeah. single character, it is paramount. Yeah. Length is paramount. Exactly. And so I, I've also got a link to a Brian Krebs uh, article, a blog post that he that he had. But this blog post itself, I think, was pretty good. It's good. It, it talks about some password do's and don'ts. Um, it's similar to the suggestions that you get from Linode here. Um, and so I, I really want you to go read that article. Um, I think it was pretty good. He's got a quote in here. Some of the easiest to remember passwords aren't words at all, but collections of words that form a phrase or sentence. Perhaps the opening sentence to your favorite novel or the opening line to a good joke. Think about that. Think, uh, think about how long the first sentence of any novel is. It's, it's long. I mean, obviously, assuming it's not two or three words or something like that, all right? Mm -hmm. But um, it's crazy long. Yeah, it's, and it's a bunch would of actually be kind of annoying to type right mm -hmm. uh but that that annoyance that you're dealing with to type something exponential exponential, exponential. so uh that's that's part that's part of the solution i got for you yeah well ultimately you can check your passwords if they've been exposed someplace and and so have i been pwned is is one place that to go um so go go you can check your passwords i'll have a link to that um, and in addition, obviously, you can check your accounts too. That's a different section of the same web page, but he has one just for passwords to see what's been leaked as far as a password. So, you know, if you want to try your password in that that thing, um, it'll tell you if it's been exposed somewhere, and you should never ever use that again. Right. We're, we're talking. We're talking. It's not just like a million passwords that they're checking this against. There are six hundred and thirteen million passwords. And this was at the end of 2021. Mm. So I'm going to guess we're inching toward a billion at this point. And by the way, you can download it if you, you want. You can do that, yes. It's it's 17.2 gigabytes. You can download this thing. Check and it offline. And you can, like... Yeah, yeah. If if you're like, I don't want to put my password in some random website. That's, that's that, fine. I mean, don't have to. Right? Yep. Download the 17 gig file, and then you can use something like John the Ripper to mm -hmm. uh, to test that against your own passwords. You can do that. Yep. Uh, but yep. right, uh, this is. Uh, it, it, it's <laughs> a good a lot thing. Of passwords. It's, a, it's a good sanity check. I feel like um, it's not a bad yep. thing. The other thing you can do in like uh, Bitwarden, Vault Warden. I know we we pitched that a couple times, but you there there are reports in there that you can run against your accounts uh so you can check and see if they're exposed you can check passwords to see if what you know what you have that's been reused and mm -hmm. it'll check weak passwords as well there's a whole there's a whole report section you go in there and it'll run it against all everything you have in bitwarden or faultwarden and it'll it'll check those things for you and again, another little sanity check so that you can know what you need to go update and change potentially based on what you're seeing there. 
or just let Bitwarden tell you what the password should be. Just, I mean, crank that up to like 32 characters, check all yeah. the boxes to, for all the little weird stuff, and then generate a password. But for the passwords that you cannot do that for, right? Um, you can generate a password for those passwords that, um, you know, you, there's no other way to get into this service or, um, you know, you need something in addition to the second factor. Yeah. But you still have to physically type it in. Mm -hmm. Remembering those those crazy passwords is actually very difficult to do. It can be. Um, but here's my solution. We finally gotten to it. Here is my solution for this. Pick your favorite phrase, right? As as uh, Brian Krebs said, it can be the the opening uh, line to your favorite novel, your favorite poem, uh, anything, anything like that. It could be something somebody said in a movie. It doesn't really matter. But choose lots of words that mean something to you, but doesn't necessarily identify you, right? Like, so it shouldn't be like all of your kids' names, mm -hmm. or right, like, or all of the street names that you've lived on. Stuff, right. If if I can Google it about you, you should not. Yeah, probably shouldn't be as, using as, those things. Yeah, right. Don't use that as your as your uh, passphrase. So something that no one would really know about you, right? The your third most favorite book, right? <laughs> no one would know. Um, and then pick a line out of that and memorize that line. And then, so the easy way to do this is to take that line and type it in exactly as is. People forget about adding spaces. Spaces oh, yeah. are a special yeah, character. Wait, wait, space is a thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, uh, the, the same password with and without spaces hash out to two totally separate things. Yeah, they do. So there, there's no way to know spaces are no spaces, right? Right. So add the spaces. Every space adds another character, which exponentially increases the difficulty of trying to brute force this thing. So spaces, right? But people know about spaces. And if they suspect you've got a passphrase, I suppose the first thing that they're going to try to do is look for spaces in there. So instead of spaces, if you feel a little more security-minded, instead of spaces, use a different special character or a mm -hmm. pattern of special characters to separate each word. Or add the spaces too and a special character. Yeah, we've gotten to the point now where this password is like forty-eight characters, or sixty characters, or eighty characters long now. But right, right, right. Um, but I mean, if if you're trying to be the least low-hanging fruit, I think this is probably the easiest to remember way because that's that's my goal here is right. to help you make a password that is easy to remember yet extremely strong passphrase with spaces. Throw a couple of special characters in there, if not every space kind of thing, and you'll be good. I I'm going to argue a little bit here, Leo, and I'm going to say that okay. even if it's kind of long, if you use it frequently for like something that's like a, a main account, you're going to use it a lot, right? You're going to type it in a lot. You can memorize this. You can memorize this. And, and, and sometimes to get over the hump, to get over the hump, I will say, it's actually okay to write it down. It's okay <gasps> to write it down. But do not carry it around. Don't leave it on your keyboard. Don't leave it in a place that's conspicuous. Don't put it, put it on a sticky note on your monitor. No, no, no. Not underneath I've, the I've desk. I've seen it. I mean, put it in a locked place, please, please. 
you know, someplace that that doesn't leave, you know, the a physical security place, right? You know, that's okay. That's okay. I'll back you up on this. The most secure password manager is a notebook mm -hmm. in locked storage. In locked storage. Yeah. No, I'll agree with that. Have a little lockbox or something. I mean, ultimately, a lot of those things, if you have uh, like the two-factor authentication, uh, you know, you print off those codes or whatever that you can... You can basically get back into right. your two-factor. Those belong in that same lockbox. Those yes. go in there too. Yes, Never please. Never take them out. <laughs> right, right, right. No, but that's what that's for, right? And then eventually you'll get yourself over the hump, especially the more times you go reaching for that safe. Yeah. Um, you'll get yourself over the hump and you'll you'll learn that difficult pass, phrase, code, whatever, um, and, and you'll get there. And ultimately, yeah. if you're using a password manager, you don't need it for everything. You need it for a few things. So, right, right. Yeah, the, these passwords are meant for uh, not to be copy and pasted. Right. right? This, this is, these, are, these are passwords for the situation where you cannot, you are unable for some reason to use Bitwarden to get your password where it needs yeah. to go. <laughs> this is the one that you just got to remember. I mean, think about the master password for Bitwarden itself. You got to type that one in. Listen, I hear the guy out there saying, "What? Well, there's a hardware keys for that. You're not wrong, but not everybody can afford something like that necessarily. And you still probably want to put a passcode on there too, so that like if something physically happens to that, their hardware key, you can still get access to your stuff. Um, like, I don't know. And so it needs to be difficult. We know that. And it needs to be physically secure. We know that too. So um, even if you're using a hardware key, you better have a backup plan. I, yeah. I'm just saying, because those things fail. Those things fail. <laughs> exactly. And and the backup plan should be really, 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 really good password. Yep. Well, all of these password topics, the last pass thing, the everything else, you can catch them on the subreddit. Reddit.com slash r slash Linux user space. Um, or you can get them on Discord, linuxuserspace.show slash Discord. That's where all the news goes as we dig it up. Dan's been doing a really good job uh, here lately of throwing all the news in there. So we got that. We got the news feed if you want that. Uh, a lot of that stuff just ends up being these shows. This is how mm -hmm. we kind of build them. Um, but there's also Mastodon and Telegram and Matrix and Twitch and Twitter. So however you interface with us, however you follow us, however you get in touch with us, however you leave your feedback, because that's important too, mm -hmm. uh, find us on one of those places. Every place that I've said, linuxuserspace.show slash the thing, and you'll find us. So Leo... It's time for everyone's favorite segment, Browser Watch. Ooh, we did a whole episode on, on, on browser stuff like a, a couple ago. Yeah, we we get, we're going to give you a break. We're going to give you a little break. This will go it's quick, gonna be, I promise. It's going it's to be a small browser watch, but we it's will. about more browsers. We stayed true to the promise that I we made did. a couple episodes ago that we're going to include more browsers it's not just going to be mozilla watch anymore it's going to just it's going to always be browser watch a lot of them kind of turned out that way but now i think there's a there's a bit more of a focus on 
let's get a little bit about all the different stuff out there. Uh, because not everybody uses Firefox and not everybody uses Vivaldi and uh, to a lesser extent Brave. So let's bring in a few more. Why not? Why not? We're going to start right off the gate with uh, GNOME Web. Uh, <gasps> GNOME Web, uh, they, they recently announced in, in the latest uh, this week in, in GNOME uh, that they got a new little UI thing for handling permissions stuff. Um, and and it, it's got a nice, it's nice looking feel to it, um, I, I feel like. It's a, it feels it's a, like GNOME is what it feels it, like. It, it does. It's a good little addition. And um, yeah, GNOME Web's got some other things that are going for it too. So we, I'm we, sorry. Did you say Epiphany? Ah, geez, you got me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What, what are we calling uh, this thing? I'm calling it GNOME Web because that's, 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 uh, that's appropriate, I feel like. I think user facing, it's GNOME Web. I think in all the, uh, all yeah. the uh, like announcements, it's always GNOME Web. But every time I install it, this is what gets me. Yeah, the package is Epiphany. Every time I install it, it says, oh, you're talking about Epiphany. And I'm like, no, I'm talking about GNOME Web. Mm. And they're like, okay, so we'll install Epiphany then. And I'm like, no, I mean no. And so anyway, so we install Epiphany. Yeah, yeah, we did. <laughs> and then, and, I, well, and we, then we, somehow I have GNOME Web. I, I don't know. We we pitched it a couple of episodes ago in in three fifteen. Uh, so you know you can check that out for more. But I will say, as built in browsers go, this one is pretty good. It's kind of towards the top. Like I it, mean, other. Other operating systems, other desktop environments. Uh, I don't know. Do they, they do they do it this well? That's a good question. I'm, I'm still I'm still running it through its paces. I had some issues uh, yeah, with NextCloud. There's some Next things Cloud. it doesn't do. Yeah. Um, getting files into NextCloud. Okay. Like at all is okay. is a hump that I think uh, somehow it's going to have to get over. I don't know. I'm going to try. I don't know what's then. wrong. Like I've dragged and dropped a file and then done it manually, where it's like you know file picker and everything. Right. And then I uh, forget what it's called, but it's like no file. Oh. It, it uploads an empty file called like no, no file, file or something. I'll, I'll I'll put it. Maybe I'll put a screenshot up here of it or something. Um, but yeah, and then it's like, and then it's not the file that I wanted, which is weird. But anyway, uh, you know everything else. I mean, the the JavaScript rendering is yeah. so much faster, and uh, just the, the general quality of life of GNOME Web is actually yeah. a whole lot faster. Scrolling is fantastic. So, oh, getting better every time. So the other thing, uh, in version 110 of Firefox, um, came the addition to import bookmarks, passwords, history from Opera, Opera GX, and Vivaldi. So prior mm -hmm. to this release, it was only possible from Edge, Chrome, and Safari. So this really rounds out the ability to import things into Firefox, you know, if you're coming from somewhere else and you want to give it a try, um, you can get all your stuff in there. Well, that's that's kind of been the pain point yeah. for people that I have uh, slightly convinced. They're already using Vivaldi, and I slightly convinced them because multi-account containers oh, yeah. are amazing, uh, and they wanted to try Firefox. Um, a little rough. Uh, a little can rough be. trying to go from Vivaldi to Firefox when you got mm -hmm. like a gajillion bookmarks and stuff. Uh, so... Mm, yeah, but now Firefox 110, it'll handle it now. So if you've been on the edge, if you're like, well, I use Vivaldi and uh, there's no way to import all this stuff into Firefox, well, I got you now. Yep. Now you can try it. You can try exactly. Firefox. I dare you. Yeah, but I dare you. Speaking of Vivaldi, Vivaldi's made improvements to their window panel. I don't use Vivaldi enough. I had to look up what this thing window panel. Yeah. was, right? And uh, so apparently it is. 
if you're one of those weirdos that has like 7,000 tabs open. <laughs> yeah, well, oh boy. I will say even I had that many tabs open on the last episode. I just can't wrap my head around it. I cannot wrap my head around like how you keep it together. Well, let me tell you what. So Vivaldi is the only browser that I know of that will actually allow you to make sense of it. So yeah. mm -hmm. having this many tabs open is not weird in Vivaldi because in Vivaldi, you always had this thing called the window, Windows panel. Right. And you could slide it out and search through your tabs. This was actually the thing that really upset me about having multiple tabs open is that eventually they got so small you couldn't read them. Yeah. So you had you just had to go off an of icon only, and God forbid you had four of the same icon <laughs> open. You have to click through all of them to figure it out. You, you could do crazy things like stack them. That's another way to do it. And right? you could stack them by domain and all of that stuff. So that 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 does kind of handle some of that other stuff for you. But this, like like Leo is saying, really helps you do a searching on that if you, yes. if you need to get into it. Exactly. And, and, so before we get too far, I will say this used to be called the window panel and now right. they've actually renamed it to windows panel and hopefully Microsoft doesn't sue them, but Me. it's, it's, it's not just for the current window. It's for all the windows. Right, exactly. And that that's okay. So this is why it makes it cool, mm -hmm. uh, cooler, is that if you have two Vivaldi's yeah. and you had a <laughs> billion tabs on one and a billion tabs on the other, that window panel would only search the active window. Right. Now it'll search across both or three or four or, or depends on how masochistic have. you yeah. are, right? <laughs> how many windows and tabs you have open, the window pan windows panel uh will search all of it and just pop you over to whichever vivaldi it is that uh that that tab lives on so 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 if you're using vivaldi and have about a gajillion tabs open you're you're cool you're fine it's you're all fine good now. they got your cover because uh, because you, you can because you can sort them i just i can't rip my head around how are you gonna do that in chrome you're not yeah you're, you're not no no, not. no 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 <laughs> good luck so uh, the last one that we got yep. is Microsoft Edge. <gasps> it adds Adobe Acrobat to the browser itself. So the rendering engine of Adobe Acrobat is now part of Microsoft Edge. So no longer will you have to, on a fresh Windows install, go and get the Adobe Reader. Nobody wanted the Adobe Reader. What they went to the website for, they got the Adobe Reader. I mean, that's, that's great and all. They wanted the McAfee antivirus. That's what they wanted. Um, and yeah, so now it's part of your favorite Houdini-based browser, Edge. Great. Okay, then. So fantastic. I, I, I think generally, though, it is, it is a bit of a good change because well, you... uh, Adobe Acrobat supports a few more things like signing and uh, like encrypted PDFs and stuff like that. So, yeah. I mean. I know. mean, like we talked about this a bit ago, like Firefox upped their game a little bit, too. Yes. So all the links that we've been talking about, all the all the news stories, all the uh, links to uh, the different various Reddits and all that kind of thing, you can always find that at linuxuserspace.show. You can also send us messages directly from the website if you're not much of an email fan. But if you are an email fan, uh, you got that email baked into the Vivaldi or whatever, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. contact at linuxuserspace.show. All right. Speaking of the feedback and the emails that came in, 
Um, we got a few, and uh, we got more than a few on on this one. And <laughs> we, we had talked a... we talked about it last time, but uh, yeah, we had a handful of folks around the we, web. We had a couple more. <laughs> I know. I uh, we're we're flame bait, I guess. Whatever. <laughs> uh, I mean, if that's what you got to do, no problem. Um, so a few folks definitely wanted to point out that the uh, text editor E D is indeed pronounced E. D. Got it. Ed. Oh, wait, no, I mean E. Oh, man. Got it. Jeez. Leo. <laughs> ruined it again. I ruined it again. We know. <laughs> they're going to they're gonna mail us pitchforks in the mail here. I, I get on fire. Like, uh, <laughs> we, we took the liberty, just for those that don't know, we took the liberty of renaming it in the history section of Ed. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. We, we took the liberty of renaming uh, E.D. to Ed when we did the uh, the history on it. Uh, and then we kind of continued that joke on into the Vim history, but we released those two histories separately, Separate. yeah. obviously. Uh, and so it's our fault for splitting up the joke. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess, I don't know. English language is a tough one. Um, uh, I don't know. I only know one language, and I guess I don't have that one mastered, so apologies. But between us both, we're like 50, I'm 50% good on English, you're 50% good on English. together. I think we're still like 50% good on English. Yeah, so, probably. You know, yeah. yeah, cut us some slack. <laughs> All right. So an anonymous listener says, I saw OwnCloud 2.0.0. Infinite Scale has been released to Stable. A rewrite of it in Go. Go. I like that. That's cool. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not familiar with the personal cloud servers, but I like the simple Go single binary applications. Could it be something for the show? And um. You know, I'm going to check this out. Like, I don't know. Like, I we, we both use Nextcloud. Yeah. I, I, you have my interest peaked. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm going to try this. Like, I feel like this is going to be something that I'm going to spin up and I'm going to give it a whirl. And um, uh, I'm not necessarily wed to anything. If something else comes along, that's good. Hey, man. My, my data is in, uh, I mean, it's directly accessible. So... I don't I don't care. I'll I'll check it into anything. We'll see. Exactly. Yeah. So thanks for the tip. So Daniel M says, uh, talking about Podman, I personally run it on Fedora server. You would, you red hat or you. Or blue hat, I guess, Fedora, right? Uh I found out there is a command that converts a running container to a system D service. There's another command to be able to run systemd services for a user without having to log in. I have a document, how I use it, at, and we'll have the link in the show notes. Uh, Another topic I would like to bring up is the use of GPG and PGP. I've created a key pair and uploaded my public key to keys.openpgp.org. It can be searched using those uh, the, the email address. I've been using KGPG for the desktop and open keychain on Android. If you haven't talked about encrypting and or signing using GPG keys, then I recommend looking into it. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's a good idea. We should do, I feel like that's something we could, we could touch on uh, for a future you know, episode. We, we, how many times do we talk about checking the, the, the outputted hash of whatever you download, whatever ISO mm-hmm. you downloaded and matching it to the thing that's on the website? This is that. 
but for everything else. Yeah, and so you can you can verify digital signatures from people you 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 know you you want to get stuff from or send things to, and you can pull their public keys down. Uh, yeah, we can totally do a little little blurb on that stuff. I feel like exactly. And so, so I, I'll talk about my favorite um a way to do that and um. Yeah, so he talks about a couple of applications that they're running. I've got one that does a lot of that stuff altogether. Mm. So, stay tuned. Frank W. says, Great show, folks. Been listening for a long time. Thanks for the discussion of browsers in 3.15. It convinced me to try Brave again after being away from it for a couple of years. Uh... Yeah. I can't believe how much it has improved. It really has. It's been a lot. Good improvement. Within hours, it became my default browser on all of my devices. Only my T460 still has Chrome installed because my wife refuses to use anything else. Yeah. It's... I, I, start, I start to wonder, uh, just, is there a Chrome theme for Brave? <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah, maybe you could trick her a little bit. Yeah. Don't do don't do that. Happy, yeah, happy wife, it, happy it, life. I know what that's like. <laughs> you you need to meet the wife approval factor. Yeah. That's really important. I get it. And he says, uh he finishes it out. Cheer from the Great White North. Eh? Uh thanks. I'm close to the Great White North, not quite. Um, and I'm on the eastern side, not on the western side, for whatever that's worth. I'm, um, I'm too far down south. Uh, uh I, I get I get to y'all all I want though. Uh eh. I'm so glad uh, Brave is working out for you. I'm starting to uh, like readopt Brave on Linux from being on Firefox for so long. Multi-account containers is amazing. But um, since Chromium added uh, the better scrolling mm -hmm. and Brave adopted that just by taking in the new Chromium, oh, it's so much better. It's so much better. And I'm, I'm yep, yep, it is right there next to Firefox. If I could get a multi-account multi containers, on Brave, man, it would have to be a fight to the death between the two. I don't know what I would choose. It's yeah. hard. I don't know. Uh, some time ago, Leo, you had given me the challenge of trying Firefox again on my mobile device, and I mm -hmm. did that. And I have not strayed since then. I mean, I'd have, I forget how long ago that was now. I'm still... I, I have Vivaldi on my phone as well, but I I have Firefox as my default. I love and it. So, I uh, love it. But but along with that, um, I installed uBlock Origin, obviously, because that's pretty great. And uh, that's really helped my browsing experience on the phone. Oh, yes. Oh, I mean, you save so much bandwidth and time yeah. just by blocking the app. Oh, and man. I don't know okay. why I didn't think to do that. I always do it on the desktop, but yeah. I didn't think to add an extension to my browser on my phone. That is one of the things, like, Vivaldi obviously does some of that stuff built in. Brave does that too. Um, so, like, I don't add it to those browsers. Um, mm -hmm. And maybe that's why I didn't think to add it. I don't know. Well, on, on iOS, you're kind of stuck. You have to just use whatever you get. Yeah, it's and just it a still uses the, um, the, uh, the Safari rendering engine. However, there are rumors. And by rumors, I, I mean they're coming from the source. So, yeah, I saw that too. Ooh, iOS may be seeing a Brave and a Firefox that does not use Safari as the web rendering engine. Oh, I'm so excited. That would be because good. Because that might mean I could have uBlock Origin on Firefox. And the, the day that happens, if, if it's Brave, I don't care. I don't, I don't care. 
the day it happens, I'm doing it. Uh, last bit of feedback here. Eric M. on YouTube says, you mentioned the workstation use case. There mm-hmm, recently, mm-hmm. there was a recent bunch of improvements made to Fedora CentOS RHEL for HDR color in 4K displays. Uh, Red Hat mentioned they did this because Pixar and other animation studios use RHEL for their workstations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and 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 mm-hmm. in addition, uh, like uh, the you know the the video editing software and stuff that you can install, it it works very well out of the box too. On and and that's those are the recommended places they tell you to install those, like yeah. da, you know DaVinci and and stuff like that. Oh yeah, they're like use use, use CentOS or CentOS. Red Hat. Yeah, they do. They tell you that. Yes, they tell you to use Red Hat. So um, that is the place to put it. And so that makes that's a really good use case for that. Yep. Number two, he says, in Podman, the pod comes from Kubernetes. A pod is a group of containers that are in the same namespace. So where you do a Docker compose, you do a pod. And if you're just running a container, it's just a container, whether that's Docker or Podman. So thanks for the clarification on that. Um, it made so much sense. It does. I read it and I was like, get out of here, really? Yep. And then I, and I, I mean, uh, trust but verify, right? I went and, and that really, seriously, the language is like that. Mm-hmm. That is quite literally the language of Podman. So, ha, that's so cool. I, uh, yeah, I felt so dumb. <laughs> but yeah. then, so smart after I just added that to the old knowledge bank. Exactly. <laughs> But a uh, pod, pod manager, manage pods. Pods are multiple containers in a... I get it. I Thanks. Thanks, Eric. So, real treat here on the community focus. Focus. You ready to focus? I'm ready to focus. Focus. So, for ready. this focus, we got the Fashionator. Oh. So, Michael Vash's YouTube channel is a great Linux resource. Um, he, he really walks you through a bunch of stuff. So he recently did a Nix video where he called it, he dubbed it, you know, zero to Nix. And, and it was, <laughs> and it's a great resource. I know Nix is, is got some great popularity. It was popular when we looked at it, um, some episodes ago. And I know like the Jupiter guys, they're really pitching it often as well. And Martin Wimpress is now too. So Oh yeah, Nix plus Pantheon. I think was the last thing he said. Yeah, which I know. is, uh, hey man, I'm on. I'm on Elementary. I'm trying to. I'm trying out that Pantheon, and it's pretty slick, man. It's pretty slick. And it turns out, um, uh, uh, Danielle Ferre mm-hmm. has been uh, giving a thumbs up over to the Nix packagers over there because they've been helping her figure out a whole heck of a lot of bugs in Pantheon. So double thanks to Nix. Wow. Uh, for helping out with that development because I'm getting to enjoy it. <laughs> well, nice. the, the cool thing about Nix is you got the flakes. So that helps you get the development stuff. No, but... I, I washed my hair. Oh, no, I don't, okay. I don't have any. Not, not right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not those flakes, different flakes. Yeah, the got other flakes. Anyway, back to it. Uh, Michael, he's also got a bunch of other guided adventures that are great for anyone at any skill level. Um, it, even more recently, he's he's been divi- diving into some of the Wayland stuff. Like we talked about Wayland earlier in the show, he's been sure digging enough. into it. He's, he's got a little challenge going on. So is it watch that ready? That's he's, what he's, he's figuring about, out. 
He's about 10 days as of the recording. It'll probably be like 15 days by the time you get this. 10 days through a 30-day challenge. So you'll have a couple of weeks to to get caught up on that and figure out in a couple of weeks whether or not Wayland is ready on Plasma. So is it? I don't know. I don't, I don't either. Yeah, no. So go, I mean, I'm, I'm excited <laughs> to hear the the final turnout of this. Um, I think it'll be good. There's something for everybody here. There is. There is. He's good stuff. So, shout out to the Fashionator. I'll have a link in the show notes. All right, last focus, focus twice. Second focus. Are you ready? It's like uh, it's it's like first breakfast. But it's second breakfast. I like second Are breakfast. You? That's good. I love second breakfast. Uh, here we go. Another perennial question, right? We asked about the passwords thing. That, that comes up all the time. But the other thing that comes up all the time, especially over in Linux land, you don't really have much of a question in Windows because they're shipping with one. <laughs> and Mac does have one underneath. You don't really see it, but it does work. So the question is, do you need an antivirus on... Linux, you have the careful netizens that say, no, no, just don't click on those shady looking things and you'll never have to worry. But then you have the cautious netizens that'll say, well, yeah, because you never know. Some of those websites are getting real tricky these days. And when you click on something, all of a sudden JavaScript, boom, you got it. The thing that you were trying to avoid, you got it. Well, which is it? You need one or don't you? Dan, what do you think? I think it depends. Ooh, oh, okay. So you're in the Of course you're in the middle. Of course you're in the middle. What does it depend on? Uh, well, so I do think it depends on the use. Um, I think it depends on uh, what you're, you're like. So, okay. So you're sharing some files potentially with some other people. Um, you might want to be careful there. You might want to be scanning some of those and you might not want to redistribute. You trust my FLAC files and my video files just un, un unequivocally. You're just like, Leo would never send me a virus ever. I'm just going to double click on this thing right now. Yeah. Well, and it, and it might not affect my Linux machine, but if I'm sharing stuff with somebody that's got a Windows machine or a Mac, maybe, and I'm, I'm serving up those files to other people. Uh, they might get that whammy. Um, so I might want to scan those so that I don't redistribute that stuff. More and more, though, we're seeing that there are more and more Linux Trojans. There are more and more um, Linux creepy crawlies. Yep, that's does that true. Does that move the needle for you in either direction? I feel like there's other ways to kind of watch out for some of that stuff, and hopefully you don't get them. I don't know, but I don't know is that... The, antivirus malware stuff is necessarily a bad thing at least as long as it's not per, you know impacting performance you're you're the kind of guy that turns off the uh the meltdown and spectrum mitigations huh i mean you know a lot of those <laughs> probably not gonna happen on my machine right <laughs> i love that that is my favorite because um, you know, I, I kind of gave you a hard time a second ago, but I'm, I'm the same exact way. Um, I am in the middle as well. I don't have a hard yes or no. Uh, I do think that if you are overly cautious, if you, uh, especially dealing with sharing files and, yeah, and I don't even, I don't even add the caveat of two windows or two Mac. Yeah. I think just in general, if you're sharing files that you are not positive yeah. of the origin of, 
Like yeah. the the what I was saying about my audio files and my video files, if I'm sharing those to Dan, I you know, I would be offended if you scanned those, Dan. I'd be offended. Mm, but true. But you know, <laughs> if if I'm downloading executable files and then giving them to Dan, I would be offended if he didn't scan them through throw it in a virus total man just make sure yeah that i'm not i'm not shipping you a trojan or something like that yeah. but for those folks that are ever cautious and just need something you need a little technical aptitude you can't be afraid of the command line if you want it to run like you would expect an antivirus to run but this is linux user space man you know we're going to offer you the free and open source one yeah and the free and open source one is Clam AV. Born in 2002 at version 0.10 and authored by Thomas Kyom. Originally, it was going to be called Turtle AV, but uh, Clam's not that slow. So, Clam AV it was. Sourcefire acquired it in 2007. Then, Cisco acquired SourceFire in 2013. And the SourceFire Vulnerability Research Team, or SourceFire VRT, became Cisco Talos, one of the most respected research teams out there today. So, headed up by Cisco, one of the premier enterprise network solutions hardware vendors, um, you kind of got to give them a little credit for that. Mm -hmm. They are yeah. massive. That is big. And the, the, the price tag, you know, kind of says as much. But it, it, Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but you got to respect them uh, for what they do. And Cisco Talos is, I mean... These yeah. are the these are uh, a group of folks that are figuring out the zero days as they happen. Yep. Same as Google Project Zero. Um, I had like two other names in my head, and I can't remember them right the now. The Palo Alto, what is it, Unit Forty Two or ah, something like I'm that, so, right? Ah, you saved me. So Clam AV, it's it has kind of a mixed uh, history yeah. as far as how good it is. Back in twenty eleven, it was it was picking up about eighty percent of whatever was thrown at it. Um, in uh, at the end of last year, Splunk, and Splunk is a company that does uh, monitoring, like yep. mon of every of ev and and like digesting that, yeah, like in, so that in, you can figure out what all that means, right? Yeah. Like data is fine. But making sense of the data is more fine. Yeah. And that's what Splunk does. Uh, they did a test of Clam AV and found out it uh, does about 60% of the threats thrown at it. But um, some of the, the, the largest grouping of malware that most people find because they're downloading email attachments Ooh. and running them, Clam AV captures about 90% of Trojans. Wow, that's so, a lot. That's good. On the whole, Clam AV is actually a very good antivirus for a lot of the threats that you're going to be encountering on a day-to-day. -day. Uh, but Clam AV actually had its 20th birthday back in May of 2022. So, you know, happy birthday, Clam yeah, AV. Birthday. It's going to celebrate 21 in a couple of months. So cool. Um, Clam, Clam is a little memory hungry. So yeah. if if you're... 
if you're on one of those systems, you got like four gigs of RAM and then Firefox, just opening mm. Firefox is stressing your system. You know what? Just just practice good netizenship. Don't be downloading random stuff unless you know exactly who it's from and exactly what it is. Uh, no email attachments. I mean, honestly, no email attachments all the time is really just yeah, good don't, advice. Don't, don't go opening those unless you really, really, really know and we're expecting it. FedEx doesn't actually have a package for you, dude. No. It, they don't. If they, they did, they, they drop it don't, off. Don't, exactly. <laughs> don't click on the PDF because it's not a PDF, man. And if it is a PDF, it's got Trojan in it. Don't click it. Just don't. But anyway, <laughs> Clam does like to use up a lot of memory. Uh, anywhere between one and three gigs. It's got to load up the definition. It's got to load up the files that it's scanning. It's got to do a lot of brute forcing against those files so you know be aware that if you're running clam av on a schedule or whatever make sure it's during a time when you're not being uh memory intensive right yeah you don't have three vivaldi windows open with 30 tabs each so that the so that you have to use their uh newly added feature what was what was the name of that i don't know but it's funny that you mentioned this leo (laughs) because um i i recently ran my endless machine out of memory because i was because i was trying i was trying to do too much and it it just you loaded up all of wikipedia didn't you i don't know what i did i had a bunch of chat (laughs) things going and browser (laughs) windows and it just like it was like oops out of memory got him and i was like got him all right i guess i'm restarting now all right so (laughs) that machine probably not a good candidate for clam av during use you can you likely when you close everything down, go to sleep for the night, leave the thing awake, and it'll it'll do a scan overnight. Whatever That'd have been that, okay. that that's yeah. not not when I'm running it. Nope. <laughs> right. Yeah. Clam AV at five p.m. Not so much. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. we're not doing it. It wasn't good. Uh, so so I mentioned at the top that you want Clam AV to kind of behave like uh, Windows Defender or. Um, Nod32 or I don't know. You know, I'm I'm really hesitant to say the name. Of like any antivirus because they've all shown themselves to be not amazing. Um, um yeah, they've all had not, their moments and, and yeah, mm-hmm. right. So anyway, so you know, uh, commercial antivirus offering, uh, you want Clam to work that way. Uh, so you can do that. You can do on access scanning, which mm-hmm. is you double click on a PDF and Clam scans it in the background before it loads it up. Right. Or you you know cat a file. In the command line, and Cam will, uh, uh, Clam will scan that before it it uh, you know drops that out into your terminal or whatever. Um, so it uses a kernel API called FA Notify, and it'll monitor whatever directories you configure. You've got to configure them yourself, and this is what I meant about you got to be okay with being in the terminal, little little uh, term foo. And if you're okay with that, though. Uh, configuring that up, it's it's really not that difficult. I'll have a sh- I'll have a link in the show notes. It's about four commands, and you do have to uh, edit a couple lines in a configuration file. But at that point, Clam behaves exactly as you would expect. If it finds something, it sticks it in a little quarantine, and you, if you decide that it's worth it to you to go investigate, you can do that. Otherwise, um, you know. File's gone. It's gone. <laughs> yeah, you can you can test it with the old normal ACAR, ECAR, ACAR, whatever that is, the little yeah, test virus something. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can uh, you can check it out with that and see how it behaves. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I guess to the answer of, do you need one? Use an ad blocker. Yeah, 
practice good netizenship, like not downloading rando things and believing that you have a FedEx package on your way when you know you don't have a FedEx package on the way, um, and you're not giving Nigerian princes oh, yeah. money. Yep. You know, like those kinds of things, I think are going to be pretty good. But seriously, the ad blocker, probably the yeah, con- content most important. Blocker, Leo. Content blocker. That's what, content blocker. That, that's, that's what we're calling them these days. Content. Use a content blocker. You block Origin specifically uh, if you're like on Firefox. Yeah. It's, it's, so, it's, it's so good. It's so good. Uh, I think you'd be okay without one. But if you fall on, and you have a lot of RAM, if you fall on the side of a cautious netizen, then ClamAV is a solid choice. Yeah. And you can make it behave like anything else out there. All right, Leo, that brings us to next time. We've made it all the way down to the end of the document here. Woo! I can't believe it. So next time, we get the history of Endless OS. <laughs> I mean, I think it'll end, but I mean, I don't know what we're going to find out. It is going to be an eight-hour podcast because the podcast is going to be endless. I know. <laughs> the jokes will never oh, end. Oh, no. They, the jokes are endless, too. <laughs> um, But... Like, I, I don't know, Leo's already been diving into it and he's already got some history stuff lined up. So I know it's happening. I know it's happening in the background. Some of some of those early days are pretty interesting stuff. So I can't wait to turn it over to everyone. Turns out you're going to be surprised, I think, uh, just how old Endless is. <laughs> so in between shows, you can catch us on Twitter, Mastodon, Telegram, Matrix, Discord, whatever. Give us your suggestions on our subreddit even and join the conversation. Um, all the links and show notes on linuxuserspace.show. So, Leo, where can uh, everyone find you? Well, you can find me at Leo Chavez on Twitter and at Leo Chavez on uh, Mastodon. Dot social. Wait, yeah. Something like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. I get you. <laughs> yeah, and, that thing. And I'm at KC2BEZ on Twitter and at KC2BEZ at Mastodon.social That's what I meant to say. That's what he meant to say. Join us again in two weeks when we return to the Linux user space. We'll see you then. plasma on the on the gecko rolling machine and that's uh, pretty fun seems to be good to check out the new stuff yeah i think uh, you know i keep thinking man i keep thinking um maybe i need to go fedora or open just just to just to keep up with the fixes on plasma because i want 527 but i know there's gonna be fixes coming out and if i'm on anything else uh, you know, I guess besides Kubuntu with the PPA. Well, the new, um, well, I'm, if you wait until April, um, you'll end up with 5.27. Okay, so the, the next... Well, yeah, obviously, yeah, yeah. The next version of Ubuntu yeah. will have that. Oh, and Dave says uh, he tra- installed it on Neon. Yeah. Or installed Neon. Right. And it's checking out 5.27. So now yep, I'm curious, that's another way to do uh, it. Yep. Dave, uh, any, any show stoppers yet?
Because if it can do, man, seriously, if it can do mixed DPI, 